Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good morning and welcome to Passion. We're so delighted that you're here or that you're watching online with us. Uh, this is an important Sunday for a couple reasons. Uh, one, I'll, I'll do them backwards. One, because this message in this series is the one that I've been wanting to get to. Uh, we preach, y'all don't, y'all don't understand this, that never preach. Sometimes you preach stuff to get to stuff. And this is the stuff I've been trying to get to. So I'm excited about that. But I'm also excited because today is Father's Day. And uh, so we, we honor all the men in the house. And uh, I started thinking this morning of some of the lessons that my dad taught me. Um, and uh, April mentioned this, and I think it comes out of this. Dad taught me a long time ago that the people that eat you up in the beginning will eat you up in the end, if you're not careful, right? Their opinion about you changes. Anybody ever had somebody that thought you were the best thing since sliced bread, uh, the bomb, the dopest, uh, let's see, all that in a bag of chips? Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know what is, what's current now. I, they, they thought you were bougie. I don't know. I don't, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and their opinion changes about you. Anybody ever had that? And they thought you were the best, but now they think you're the worst? That's why it's so important for you to know what God says about you, because His opinion about you never changes. Nobody's editing the Bible right now. Nobody's editing His Word. His word is secure, and what he says about you all is what he says about you yesterday, he's saying about you today, and he'll say about you tomorrow. And so, it's important for you to know who you are in him, amen. Because that never changed, that's a different message, all right. So, but I've been excited about this series because I think this series is important for us because we've talked about this after 430 years uh, of harsh slavery. The children of Israel have come to this conclusion that their enslavement, their, their, uh, their chains, their prison, the the load that they're bearing is too heavy. And I think in light of everything that's going on in our society, I don't know if you've come to that place, what else is it going to take? I mean, what else is it going to take for you to come to the place where you recognize we need to be delivered? I mean, we've had, we've had viruses, we've had racial tension, we've had floods, at least at my house and now probably at your house today. We've had all this stuff happening. At what point are you going to come to the conclusion that we need to be delivered? They've come to this conclusion, and finally, they've taken all they can take. They, they, they are Popeye in, in body. They're like, I've, take, I've, I've taken all. I, I, okay, y'all know that one. All right, so somebody, at least some, I've taken all I can take. I can take all I can stand, and then something's going to happen, right? What happens in their life is they begin to call out for deliverance. They recognize that only God can set them free. And so we hear them as they cry out to God in Exodus chapter 2. This is what it says. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Then in Exodus chapter 3, we talked about this Last week, he sends a deliverer. The dilemma is, is that uh, we, I mean the children of Israel, have a hard time recognizing the fact that the guy that God sent was in fact the deliverer. And their lack of revelation almost cost them their release. 
because the deliverer didn't come packaged perfectly. Some of y'all waiting for perfect people to walk into your life. I got news for you. There aren't any. But there are placed people. And there are favored people. And there are anointed people that God will send to you to help you find freedom. So we can't let our preferences keep us in prison. So Moses on an assignment from God, stands up before Pharaoh and he demands the release of God's people. And this is where the story gets interesting, at least to me. I want you to go back with me and I want you to read what happens at this point of demand. It's found in Exodus chapter 5, beginning in verse 4 down through verse 13, says this. Who do you think you are? Pharaoh shouted. Distracting the people from their work? Get back to your jobs. That same, day, that same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the taskmasters and the officers he had sent over the people of Israel. Don't give the people any more straw for making bricks. However, don't reduce their production quotas by a single brick. For they obviously don't have enough to do or else they wouldn't be talking about getting out into the wilderness and sacrificing to their God. Load them with work and make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to Moses and Aaron's lies. So the taskmaster and officers informed the people, Pharaoh has given orders to furnish you with no more straw. Go and find it wherever you can, but you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered everywhere to gather straw, and the taskmasters were brutal. Fulfill your daily quota just as before, they kept demanding. Moses' demand for freedom is met with an edict from Pharaoh for even harsher more brutal treatment of the Hebrew slaves. And I don't even have time to mess with this this morning. But just for a second, can I tell you that one of the deliverance dilemmas that we face is that often the darkness gets darker right before you're delivered. Can I, can I just, just interject that the enemy will not give you up easily? I don't know why we think that when the devil has areas of control in our life, just because we've cried out for deliverance, why do we think that all of a sudden he would go, oh yeah, I'll let you go free there. Come on now, get, get a grip. Come to a revelation and understanding that he's not going to give up that territory easy. He's had you bound. He wants to keep you bound. He will fight you. So, so what should that do? That means that when it gets darker, when the chains get tighter, when the shackles feel like you can't wear them one more minute and you feel like you're going under for the last time, you ought to have hope. You ought to have an excitement in your spirit because you recognize that right before morning it's at the darkest moment. And if you would just hold on, don't give up hope. Keep believing. Keep standing in. Keep fighting for your freedom. Recognize that if it's darker right now, you're just that much closer to deliver. I don't have time. I don't even have I don't even have time. I don't, I don't quit now. I don't even have time. Don't quit now. Don't give up now. Some of you are this close, right on the threshold of deliverance. But because it's harder right now, you're right. Well, I'm going to quit. No, don't quit. Press on in. You're getting closer than you've Okay, I got to go. So, so finally, after 10 plagues, 10 different plagues, culminating with the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. I just read a book recently. Uh, it's a fictional work that describes those plagues. I don't think we comprehend the devastation of the plagues. Go back and read those for yourselves. How would you like every water vessel you have, every bowl, every bucket to be full of frogs? How would you like for your life to be consumed by flies? How many of you would like that you walk out and all your crops are dead because of locusts? How many of you would like to go get a drink of water and discover that every piece of water, every drop of water is turned into blood? Go back and put yourself in that situation and you might just glimpse how devastating it was. And it culminates with the death of the firstborn in Egypt. 
So now, finally, Pharaoh relents and he releases the Hebrews and they begin their journey into the wilderness. And once again, he changes his mind. And so you know the rest of the story. Pharaoh and his armies are ultimately swallowed up in the Red Sea and the slaves are now free. The people who had been in bondage for 430 years are now tasting the flavor of freedom. Those that longed for freedom, cried for freedom, demanded freedom, pled for freedom, now they find themselves unchained. And what happens in this moment, here's where I've been trying to get to, is they face what I believe is the most difficult deliverance dilemma that must be addressed in their life and in our life. I said that recognizing your deliverance is the second most difficult. This is the most difficult. But we got to get it. I want you to join me. It's found in Numbers chapter 11. And it begins at verse 4 down through verse 6. It says this. Then the Egyptians who had come with them began to long for the good things of Egypt. By the way, not everybody you were with in bondage is good company when you're free. Just, uh, because they're comfortable when you're a slave. But they're not comfortable when you're a soldier. Okay, that was free. So, this added to the discontent of the people of Israel, and they wept. Listen to what they say. Oh, for a few bites of meat. Oh, that we had some of the delicious fish we enjoyed so much in Egypt. And the wonderful cucumbers, I'm out. And melons, I'm out. Leeks, I'm out. Onions and garlic. Oh, for if we could have that stuff. But now our strength is gone, and day after day, we have to face this manna. The most difficult dilemma that you will face as we work towards deliverance is your diet. I just lost some of you right there. Deliverance will force you to deal with diet. Okay, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on hammer on this, so stay with me. What, what am I saying? Am I, am I up here railing against donuts and cake and caffeine? I happen to like donuts. I happen to enjoy cake, and I love some caffeine. So I, I, although we probably could spend some time dealing with our natural diet, I'm not talking about our natural diet necessarily. I am talking about the fact that if we are going to be free and to remain free, then our, ap- our spiritual appetites have to change. See, Paul addressed this need for change in Galatians when he says this. In Galatians chapter 5, he states it as if it's already happened. For those of us that have already bowed our knee on our heart, given our life to Jesus, he makes this emphatic statement in Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. In other words, when you come to this saving knowledge of Christ, there's supposed to be this transition that takes place in us and our desires are supposed to change. Our appetites are supposed to change. Our passions are supposed to change. That's what's supposed to happen. But then he comes back in Philippians chapter 3 and he, he, he contrasts. In Galatians he talks about those that know Jesus. In Philippians he addresses those that don't. And he contrasts. And he says in Philippians chapter 3 verses 18 and 19. For many are walking in such a way that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. I have told you of them often and tell you again even weeping. Their destination is destruction. Listen to this. Their God is their appetite. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Did you catch it? The difference between those who are free and those who are bound is whether or not they have gone through a process where they've addressed the dilemma of their diet. Their appetites. See, our desire... 
uh, must change. Our diet must change. Our desire for comfort, our desire for normal, our desire for acceptance, our desire for our rights, our desire for our own way, our de- our, all those desires, our desires, our diet, our appetite must change. Otherwise, free folks will march right back into bondage. I've seen it happen over and over again. We come to a saving knowledge of Christ. He changes our appetites. But we don't deal with it in our own mind, in our own heart, in our own flesh. And we desire the things that we used to have and we walk right back into bondage. See, think, I want you to think about this. Babies can't feed themselves. But I do want you to understand that we don't have to teach babies how to eat. Wanting to eat is innate. Some of us are more innate than others, apparently, but this, this, y'all get that later. Okay, so, so what, so we don't have to teach babies how to eat. What we have to teach is diet. Because haven't you, some of y'all apparently haven't had, you got the little baby, like the, the, the five-year-old in your house, and, and all they want to eat is chocolate. Like every day, I want chocolate for breakfast, I want chocolate for lunch, I want chocolate for dinner. And if you don't monitor what they eat, they will eat chocolate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The problem is not the fact that they want to eat, the problem is what they want to eat. Okay, so, so everyone, this is what I've learned, uh, j- just stay with me, I've learned that instructions are overrated. You say, what are you, what are you talking about? Uh, haven't you rec- Surely in this season you've figured it out. Everybody's telling us what to do. Everybody. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got instructions. It's overrated. But what I've also learned is that diet is underrated. We, we, we're being instructed what to eat spiritually, but we don't know what to eat, so we mess ourselves up. Okay, so what I've learned is this, is what you feed yourself will determine whether you can stay free. See, it's funny to me, it is so funny, it may be funny is not the word. I want to use ironic. What, no, I don't. I re, what I really want to do is use the word sad. Embarrassing. I just didn't want to make you feel bad, so I chose funny and ironic instead. It's, it's funny to me that what we, as adults, what we want to do is we want our youth pastors to rail on our teenagers and our students about what they watch, what they listen to, and who they hang out with, and where they go. But then as adults, we also want to make the statement that we can handle it. Yeah, we can handle it all right. We handle it right back into bondage. That's what we do. Because we don't want anybody to deal with our diet. Okay, it's quiet in here. Uh, so, so, so our, our diet keeps us from being fully free. If we want to be fully free, then it is absolutely time for us to lay down our desires, our wants, to deal with our diet, place it on the cross, and crucify the, our passions and our appetites so that they come in line with God's Word and what He says we can and cannot do, where we can and cannot go, what we can and cannot watch, what we can and cannot listen to, what we can and cannot say, what we can and cannot act like. We've got to lay all that on the cross and say, Jesus, what you say goes. Otherwise, we will find ourselves back in bondage. See, if we don't crucify our diet, then what happens is this. We develop appetite amnesia. You can tell when people are struggling with their diet because 
they remember bondage better than it actually was. Uh, stay with me now. Notice what the people begin to say. Oh, for a few bites of meat. Oh, that we had some of the delicious fish we enjoyed so much in Egypt. And the wonderful cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. You do recognize that they are willing, they are literally willing to trade freedom for fruit. They've forgotten the harshness of the conditions they were in when they were bound. They, they, they're marching through a wilderness in single fire row, apparently, or maybe side by side, it doesn't matter. But in front of them are other people that were in bondage with them. And they're looking at them and they're seeing the whip marks down the back that were laid on the backs of those people with Egyptian whips. And they, they, they overlook that and they've developed appetite amnesia. I want to go back. I want to taste that again. See, I think that some of us that are on the verge of freedom may be suffering from appetite amnesia because we long for things and people. I'll say that again. We long for things and people that would have kept us enslaved. Okay, I'm getting ready to come to where you live, so just get comfortable. I, I, I'm probably not talking about you. I'm probably talking about your neighbor. But I've noticed that some of you keep remembering relationships from the lens of loneliness. And you've developed appetite amnesia. And so now when you remember that relationship, you have forgotten the hurt and the pain and the tears and the emotional abuse and the long counseling sessions where I don't understand why they treat me like this. But now that you're free, you look back and you remember it better than it was. Okay. So so we, we forget... The lack of blessing because we chose to do it our way rather than God's way. And we develop this amnesia. And so I want to be free, but I also want somebody in my bed. Okay, I knew that would go over huge. I I remember through the lens of comfort, that workplace, you know, that workplace, the one that you talked about where where you wanted to quit all the time. And now that that you're free and now that God has set you out and, and, and let you go from that place. But now, because you've developed appetite amnesia and you don't like the job you're in now, you look back over your shoulder and you've forgotten the stress and the sleepless nights and the people you couldn't stand and the environment that drove you crazy and how you said, I want out of this place I'll never go back and now you're in this job looking back at that job going I want to go back how about through the lens of familiarity we remember the parties and the late nights and the scene only to forget the shame and the misery and the hangovers and the waste of time and money it's appetite amnesia y'all we want what we used to have When we were bound. So I want to be free, but I want to be high too. Only problem is, is while you were high, you couldn't be free because you weren't even in your right mind. Now God set you free from all that, but I want to remember and think it was better than it was. I like seeing the elephants run across my room. I wished I could see that again. I wished I could grow numb again. I wished I could forget again. But we forget that while we were numb and chasing elephants through our bedroom, we were so bound that all of our money was going to drugs. We were acting like an idiot. We were losing our family. We couldn't hold a job. 
So what's our problem? We have appetite amnesia. I want to be free, but I want to keep talking like I used to talk. We don't recognize that the power of life and death is in our tongue, and the words that we choose are important, and now we talk ourselves right back into bondage because we want to be free, but I want to control my language too. I want to use the words I want to use. I want to talk about myself the way I used to talk about myself, but when I talked about myself like I used to talk about myself, it caused me to be bound. I want to be free, but I want to hang out with who I used to hang out with. I want to be free, but I want to go where I used to go. I want to spend everything I make, but I want to be financially free. And we long for a diet, and we forget the destruction. We long for the taste and forget the terror. We, we, we long for the flavor and we forget the fear. We long for the things that used to put us in lockdown. I'm telling you, if we have appetite amnesia, we will forget all the bad stuff and we remember it as if it's better than it was. I experienced this this week a little bit in a good way. It was in a good way. I walked back into a sanctuary that I grew up in. In my mind, I thought that 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 church ran about three or 400 people. Then I discover in talking to the pastor that's there now that the building could only hold at that time 115 people. But in my mind, I've got appetite amnesia. I thought it was bigger and better than it was. So some of y'all are dealing with the same things. You're thinking that your old life was better than it was. You forgot the fact that you used to cry yourself to sleep. You forgot the fact that your friends used to have to encourage you all the time. You've forgotten the fact that while you were doing that, you were miserable. But because you're going through a hard time right now, because you're in a dry season right now, because God's not doing it the way you want Him to do it right now, you have a tendency to think that it was better than it was. No, it wasn't. You were a slave before. Now you're free. Now you're free. You can always tell that people are having appetite amnesia because they will despise the provision of God. I want you to notice that as the Israelites are complaining about what they don't have, listen to what happens, they also complain about what they do have. Did you see it? They're, they're telling God, we wish we had some melons and some leeks. Why they'd want leeks, I don't know. It just sounds terrible. Why, why do you want garlic and make your breath bad? I don't know. Why do you want cucumbers? God help me if they'd said squash, maybe. If, they would, if it had said fried squash, maybe. But it says cucumbers. Why? Why, why, why do you want all of that? They, they're complaining about what they don't have. But I also want you to notice they complained about what they did have. Uh, see, see, they begin to complain about the provision of God. We are tired of the manna. Now notice, they didn't have to slave for the manna. Never had to make one brick to get a piece of manna. Not one. In fact, they didn't have to plant nothing. They didn't have to dig any ditches. They didn't have to put any seed in the ground. Y'all missing it. They didn't have to do Diddly squat. This is God providing food for them every day. Okay, you're missing it. They were slaves where they had to squeak by, scrounge around. They were lucky to get a three-course meal. They were lucky to be given anything. They had to work for everything. Now they're getting everything handed to them by God for free. And they complain. See, a surefire sign that we have a diet dilemma is that we will despise angel food. 
You missed it. See, you can always tell someone's having a dilemma with their diet when you remind them of what God has given them and what He's already done, and all they can see is what they don't have. If, if you're hanging around somebody that when you remind them about what God has already done in their life and all they can tell, about, tell you about in response is what they don't have. Man, you've got, you got a great relationship right now. Yeah, but he won't put a ring on my finger and we've been dating for nine years. I, I, I just, I'm tired. I'm tired of the manna. But he's treating me right, but I'm tired. I'm tired of the manna. Yeah, you, you, got, a great, you got great kids. Yeah, but they, they, they don't clean the room without me reminding them and 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 they won't take out the trash unless I ride them a little bit but but yeah they're in church and they love Jesus but but they won't mow when I want them to mow Come on. <clears throat> yeah yeah they won't do any of that anyway so so you might as well get over it see so 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 we we want to we overlook and we exhibit no thankfulness for the provision of God that he's already made in our life We will overlook, here's what we overlook, friends. I'm so lonely. God, I'm tired. I'm tired of being all alone. I don't have nobody, really, because when when you were in need, like 92 people rallied to your doorstep and and came to your rescue, and they were right there for you. But But I need new friends. Well, what about the old friends? What about the friends that have a track record? What about the friends that have been faithful year after year? What, if, what about the friends that God's already placed in your life that have put up with your craziness all these decades long? They should have walked out on you a long time ago because you're tough to deal with, but they stick around for the ride anyway, and they're still there. We just overlook them. All right, well, what about the godly friends that he's placed in your life? People that will stand up and hold you accountable. I wish they'd leave me alone. Just let me do what I want to do. No. We will will overlook the job that he's given us. God, I'm sick of this job. I I don't like it. He gave you this. That's manna. That's manna. I don't like it. It's manna. I'm tired of it. I need something new. It's manna. It's angel food. Get up and go to work. We overlook the restful nights. We'll overlook the small, small amount we do have in savings. That's manna, y'all. We will overlook the clear mind that we have that we didn't used to have. We will overlook the fact that we don't have the stress that we used to have. That's all manna that God has placed into your life. And if you want to remain, remain free, then you've got to open your eyes and take an account of the manna that you've already been given because we are given daily bread. Therefore, we should daily be mindful and thankful of what God has already done and quit wishing for stuff that you hope He will do. And listen, we would be more satisfied and less likely to long for days past if we would just be thankful for what God has already done in our life now. So what do we do to deal with this dilemma? How do we deal with the dilemma of our appetite and our diet? We must become like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 when he says this. He says, I'm going to read it out of a different version. You won't recognize it like this. But he says, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. The way we learned it is this. I beat my body into subjection. 
In other words, Paul is saying, I own my own appetites and my own desires and I bring them into submission to the Lordship of Jesus so that I will be hungry for the things of God that I should be hungry for. He is saying that if we desire to be free and stay free, we must deal with our diet and our appetite. We must not allow ourselves to develop amnesia or we will make chains sound like castles. And we must open our eyes and look at what God has done. We must deal with our diet. We need to assess our appetite because our destiny will be determined by our diet. We must be more hungry for Him and His ways than our own ways. So I have some questions for you this morning. What are you hungry for that will put you back in bondage? What desires are jeopardizing your deliverance? What what are you remembering and glorifying that would send you back to the gallows? What gift or gifts from God are you overlooking? You say, well, Steve, I don't even know how to deal with my appetites. Then could I just remind you of a passage of Scripture that says this because it addresses how we, we are to desire and what we should desire. It starts out like this, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy or honest, whatsoever things, you all remember that one? Let me read it to you out of a different version. I'd say you'll do best by fulfilling, by filling your mind and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. Some of y'all need that word right now. Your diet tends to go to the worst, not the best. Why don't you adjust your diet? Adjust your diet on what you watch on the news. Adjust your diet on what you watch on Facebook. Okay. Because if you don't, you're going to become a negative Nancy. And a critical Carl. And an angry Alan. And a mad Mary. Mad Mary. Keep on. No, that's a different one. Okay. Um, the best, not the worst. Listen to what he says. Think on the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise. Listen. Things to praise, not to curse. My question to you this morning, because this, 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 this reveals our diet, because our diet, our appetites tend to show up in our conversations. Can I ask you this morning, are you more known for what you're against than what you're for? Say that again. Some of us are more known by what we're against than what we're for. And it reveals that we have a diet dilemma. And we're focusing on the wrong thing. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm just convinced that this is the number one issue. This is the number one dilemma that we must address. Because I'm telling you right now, if you don't address your appetites, you will find yourself back in bondage. So you better long for and hunger for and pursue the good things of God. And that starts by remembering what He's already done. So Father, this morning I pray over your people. I pray over my life and their life. I pray this morning that you would address our appetites. We recognize this morning that the, I, I do, the, the, 
the biggest challenge that I am faced with on a daily basis is my own desires, my own appetites. So Father, I pray this morning that what you would do is you would address the diet in us. We don't have to be taught to eat. We just need to be taught what to eat. And some of us are gorging ourselves on things that will result in destruction. I pray this morning that you would challenge us and confront us about the things, the people, the places that we are feeding our spirit with and look at the fruit that it's producing in our lives. And God, if there's anything that we're consuming that's causing us to go back into captivity, I pray that in, in this moment right now, we sang we, that we surrender. So in this moment right now, we surrender our desires, our wants, our longings, our appetites, and we do what you said to do in Galatians. We lay them on the cross and we crucify them so that we go after you. So that you become not only the Lord and the Savior of our soul, but you also have dominion and ownership of our appetites and our passions and our desires and our wants. And we lay all that at your feet. And God, I pray for anybody in this room that is, has developed appetite amnesia. And they begin to think about things that were in their past and they glorified them and made them and painted them and remembered them as better than they were. I pray that in this moment that the veil would be torn off their eyes, the scales would fall off, and they would recognize that freedom is worth the price of leaving those things behind. And they would not go back for one moment. They would long for the things of old. They would long for the things that are ahead of them. God, I pray that we would become a group of people, a congregation of people that are thankful. I pray that we would be extremely mindful. We would be aware of the manna that you've placed in our lives. I look around my life and I see that everywhere I look, things that I don't deserve, things that I didn't work for, things that I didn't do, things that I I certainly, I'm not the candidate that should have been given these things. Everywhere I look, my life is overwhelmed with angel food great kids, an incredible wife, unbelievable heritage, things and people that you play, a great church to worship with, close friends. God, you've blessed me. You've given me manna, 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 angel food. And I pray that for every person here, they would be mindful of the things that you've given them and they wouldn't take them for granted and they wouldn't despise the provision that you've already made in our lives. We would be thankful. We would be thankful. We would be thankful for everything that you've done. We're thankful for freedom today. I ask you to help us to address our diet in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, Pastor Andrew. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 